This is Pen Dust Radio. Welcome, all you literati, you lovers of words and tales, you who need a break in your hurried, harried lives. We have a salve for your soul with stories imaginative and original. Short stories, riveting fiction, and wildly creative nonfiction. Pen Dust Radio. Definitely not the same old story. Please visit us at pendustradio.com. This podcast is a production of Rivercliff Books and Media. We publish literary fiction and creative nonfiction. Learn more at rivercliffbooks.com. Teresa, a young woman living in rural Mexico in the 1930s, is pregnant for the first time and is bound to name her baby according to the tradition of the small town she has grown up in, a tradition that ensures prosperity or poverty for the child. This is the story of a young woman determined to break from tradition so that her unborn daughter will have a better shot in the world. Lorena Ortiz was raised by Mexican immigrant parents in the Bay Area of California. During the day, she codes health and claims data. During early mornings, lunch, breaks, evenings, and late nights, she writes the stories of her people. A first-generation Mexican-American woman, her work is influenced by her roots and the mysticism of Mexican culture. Augustine's Mother, written by Lorena Ortiz, read by Annie Cesari. In the history of the collective memory of the townspeople, Everyone in the pueblo of Jalpa in Zacatecas, Mexico, had been baptized according to the Catholic Saints' Day calendar, without exception. Generation after generation lived and died, and only 365 names were recycled, draping the town in a peculiar tapestry of ancient and pious ghosts. The name bequeathed to each Zacatecano was dependent on their day of birth and the associated saint. The day you were born was essential to who you would be in life, or perhaps, inexplicably, the newborn somehow elicited the appropriate saint's day. Teresa, born on the 3rd of October, was no exception. Like her namesake, Therese of Lysia, Teresa had a simple nature. What is curious is that both had lost their mothers at an early age. Coincidence or providence? No one in Jalpa could remember when the saint-naming tradition began. Most likely, the Spaniards had imposed it upon the indigenous Huichol people who had been native to Zacatecas in order to stamp Christianity into their culture. What is true is that in Jalpa in 1936, there were no rebels or non-Catholics. The tradition was secure and unchallenged. Teresa's small world was modest and uncomplicated. Naturally, she married a field worker, a man named Jose, born on the 1st of May. As Teresa neared the end of her first pregnancy, the implications of the tradition consumed her thoughts. As she washed and hung the clothes of the wealthier inhabitants of Jalpa, she meditated on their names and associations. An embroidered canary yellow skirt would cause her to ruminate over its owner, Enriqueta, born on July 16th. Teresa went to primary school with Enriqueta, and while they had never been close friends, the social gap between the two girls had widened 
when Enriqueta took her place in the hierarchy of their small town. Enriqueta was the daughter of the solitary lawyer in Jalpa Paulino, born on January 22nd, who traveled once a year to El Distrito Federal to receive government ordinances and statutes. Such trips always included the city-bought dresses that Enriqueta and her mother paraded on the sole commercial street of Jalpa. As Teresa carefully fingered a lace shawl, woven from silk, that fit over the plump shoulders of Felicia, the mayor's wife, born on March 8th, she speculated about God's perfect precision. Teresa would pause in the midst of hanging up the wet garments of the privileged and calculate the birthing window of her child. Why can't my baby be born into a prosperous name? Based on her calculations, her baby would be born in early September, and in the privacy of her thoughts, she hoped her child would be born on the first, a day of celebrations and blessings. On the 28th of August, Teresa rose before sunrise to fetch the well water she would use for the day's cooking and cleaning. She pulled open the bedroom window shutter and braced it with a long, sturdy wooden block. She sat on the edge of the ancient bed frame, regarded the waning light, and braided her long black hair skillfully and swiftly. When finished, a neat, single rope fell down her back, past her waist. She laid her hands on her belly. The unborn baby had adopted Teresa's circadian rhythm, and within moments, a little foot or fist was pushing at her fingers. Teresa tickled her fingers over her belly, and then placed her palms together lightly. Padre nuestro, que está? She finished her prayer and punctuated it with her thumb crossed over her forefinger in the shape of a small cross and kissed it. Teresa rose, and the wooden planks holding the thin mattress creaked, she looked over her shoulder at Jose, who had stirred. She inched away from the bed, and the receding moonlight spilled in to wake Jose. Teresa, esposa, I will go get the water this morning. Descansa. Rest. He shook the sleep from his body and reached for his clothes, folded over a wooden chair. Jose hurried to pull up his trousers, slipped into his calfskin hurachis, then hurried past her to the inky cast-iron stove and basin where the water pails hung on coarse, heavy nails. Jose, gracias. I will go slowly. Teresa gently took the pails from his hands and smiled at him gratefully. Jose bowed to her so slightly that anyone besides Teresa would have missed his subtle deference. Theirs was a prudent marriage, of mutual respect. Although they were barely twenty years old and had only been married a little more than a year, the pair quickly settled into the comfort of a couple who had spent a lifetime together. Fetching the water had become more difficult as her belly grew, but Teresa enjoyed the solitude at this time of the day. The world smelled crisp and fresh. The grass beneath her feet was damp, with the new day's dew, but not cold. The smoky fragrance of wood-burning stoves from surrounding homes filled the valley. Crickets chirped their last night songs, and a soft flutter of activity drifted from the trees. Most women, small children in tow, set off for the well after sunrise, meeting along the way to exchange news and laughter. The well was where births, deaths, 
arguments, celebrations, love affairs, mole recipes, and sewing projects were discussed. Teresa never felt at ease amidst the chatter at the well. As a child, she would wander towards the river, El Rio Juchipila, and trace her reflection in the cool water, while her mother gossiped and the other children ran through the tall grass playing tag. As a married woman, she took up the habit of embarking on the path before sunrise, a walk she could have done blindfolded, so that she would have solitude for her own thoughts. On this morning, Teresa waddled side to side to ease the pain that crushed down on her pelvic bones. When she arrived at the well, she had to rest her back against its cool sides before she could lower the bucket down into the damp, musty cavity. Her swollen belly made hauling the buckets up and out of the well especially difficult. She always prided herself on squarely pulling up full buckets, but with each heave, she could hear the echo of the wooden bucket bumping against the ancient brick that lined the well and the hollow drops of water spilling back into the underground spring. The tattered rope seared her hands, leaving them raw. She stopped several times to push her hips forward, hands on her lower back, stretching where her baby had turned her belly into a tight drum. When she managed to pull two buckets of water up through the mouth of the well, she securely tied the buckets and looked up to the northern sky. Soon, the sun would push the night out of its way and take over the day. Heading back home, she cautiously made her way along the worn, familiar path in the indigo crimson light of early dawn, thinking of her sister. Her eldest sister, with three children of her own, had been called upon to deliver several babies. Teresa had assisted in a few of the births. She would go see her straight away and ask her to come to stay with her until the baby arrived. Jose would not be present during the birth, as was the custom. Her mind elsewhere, she didn't notice that a woman approached her on the path, holding two empty pails in one hand. Teresa, buenos dias, said Rita, who is Enriqueta's maid. Buenos dias, Rita. Placer verte, said Teresa. Neither stopped. As they passed each other, Rita's eyes flew to Teresa's belly. Rita's high cheekbones rose into a knowing smile, and she tipped her head once and continued her own journey to the well. In an earlier time, they might have walked together, but circumstances had changed. Like Enriqueta, Rita had also been a schoolmate. But whereas Enriqueta had married a merchant, Rita was widowed in the first year of her marriage. Without a husband's support, she became Enriqueta's criada. As children, Teresa and Rita played hopscotch together. Using sticks, they would etch hopscotch frames into smoothed-out dirt and collect pretty river rocks to use as markers. Enriqueta would ignore them from her paved front porch, playing with the store-bought dolls Teresa and Rita so envied. Teresa would have liked to embrace her old friend and talk as they once had, but she knew Rita felt ashamed when she was forced into domestic work. Teresa could not bear to embarrass her friend, so she let Rita be. No es justo. It is unfair. Rita's fate had been sealed when she was born on the 22nd of May, the same day as Santa Rita de Casilla, who was married and widowed before entering a covenant. God maneuvered all the birth dates. The rich would always remain rich. The poor would always remain poor. Servants would always be servants, and field workers would always be field workers. Her thoughts vanished when she felt a release deep within her abdomen. Looking down, she could feel a stream of fluid pool around her ankles. 
Placing the pails aside, she gathered the long skirt that had once been the color of lemons, but had faded to straw by the time it came into her ownership. She looked to the sky, clasping her toughened hands together around the threadbare cloth of her skirt. My God, por favor, protect us, I beg of you. Teresa looked behind her and could see the retreating swing of Rita's long skirt in the distance. She surveyed her situation, then lifted the pails gingerly and headed toward her sister's house. Exiting the worn trail, walking through the high grass, she traveled a fair distance off the path before a powerful contraction threw her off balance. Her legs crumpled, and her arms shot forward to brace her fall. Dear God, ayúdame, help me! The pails clattered to the ground, and the dewy earth soaked up the spilled water. She was startled and conspicuously aware that she was on hands and knees. The high grass touched her nose. Her hands and bare knees sank into the damp earth. Her heartbeat drummed inside her head. Nothing mattered except the baby that hung beneath her. She dug her fingernails into the earth to steady herself as the pain of the next contraction reached its crest. In the trough, she sank, her cheek resting against the damp ground. The contractions persisted in waves, and time blurred. The pain mixed with the mineral smell of dirt in her nose and the metallic salty taste of earth in her mouth. Teresa could see herself from high above. She saw herself twisted and small in the vastness of the wild, lush meadow, the river snaking its way around her. From this aerial viewpoint, she could see the other women making their way to the well, laughing and gossiping. Her home was to the east, and even further east was the small square of Halpa. Further still were the fields where Jose picked seasonal fruit and vegetables. His brow glistened, his shoes crunched through the branches. She could hear the hum of cicadas like a thousand guiros playing in unison. After what seemed an eternity, or perhaps only a few seconds, the brilliant sun directly overhead told her that she had labored through the morning. Padre nuestro que estás en el cielo, santificado sea tu nombre. She prayed an endless loop, her breath heavy. During the contractions, she rolled in agony to relieve herself of the pain. Her hair loosened from its braid and tangled around her face and body. Between contractions, Teresa lay cloaked in dirt and grass, camouflage, and part of the earth itself. Jose would expect her to arrive soon with his midday meal. Through the burning sweat dripping across her eyes, she estimated the distance to her house. The time to reach her sister had passed. If I can make it closer to home, then I can call out for Jose. He will come home when I don't arrive with his meal, she thought. Like an iguana, she crawled and inched her way toward home, collapsing into a fetal position whenever a contraction struck. The pressure on her abdomen pounded relentlessly, as if she was being trampled by horses. She knew her child would not wait. She would have to rely on her faith to deliver this baby. Teresa stayed calm with her prayers, whispered through haggard breath. But when the pain reached its pinnacle, Teresa's cry echoed through the meadow. Small insects and birds clicked their robotic heads toward her, and scurrying animals paused at the primal sound. Her baby was ready. Mustering every bit of strength, she rose to her haunches with one hand digging deep into the sweaty earth and the other protectively cradling her belly. Pressing down with all the might of her pelvis, 
she could feel the baby prying its way out. A blinding light engulfed her with fire that broke her apart, and in that instant, she felt the baby release. Instinctively, Teresa reached down and caught the warm, slick baby between her legs. The sun sent rays through the trees, covering them both in golden light. Kneeling, Teresa brought the child to her line of sight. She could barely see the baby's form through the sticky blood and placenta. She held the baby with one hand, and with the other, she reached over the infant and pulled the shawl from her shoulders and laid it on the ground. Taking care to protect her child's fragile neck, she placed the baby onto the shawl and wiped its eyes and mouth with the corners. With the air passage cleared, the baby let out its first cry. Teresa's heart flooded with admiration for the ruddy, olive-colored baby, whose fists and feet flailed like a lopsided bat. She carefully unraveled the cord that bound them together, and she brought the child to her breast and closed her eyes. The tinkling of the river and the pio-pio of the carpenterios flooded her ears. The mixture of pasture and sweat and blood perfumed the air with a sweet, coppery aroma. Her body was depleted, but her heart was overflowing with gratitude and with love so light and pure, unlike any other she had ever felt. Raising her chin, eyes closed, she saw a heaven in her mind that contained all of the beauty and none of the pain of what she had just passed through. Gracias, Señor. Thank you, God. On a long exhale, Teresa opened her eyes and whispered declarations of love to her baby. Mi amor, mi cariño. Upon hearing the familiar voice, the baby turned its small wobbly head in the direction of its mother. And then the realization. It was the 28th of August. Teresa promptly peeked under the shawl. Una niña! It was too good to be true. San Augustin de Hippo! Her heart skipped a beat. Her daughter would be Augustina, a proud name. The name of a girl who would live in a house with wood floors, who would have summertime shoes, who would know the taste of meat and vegetables. It may come with time, but God had shown his will. The sun was moving into the western sky when Teresa approached the whitewashed adobe house, wrapped like a lollipop in seafoam paint. The tall pine doors bridging the back patio to the salon were open, and the chickens, rabbits, and other small pets of the house were scattered throughout. Teresa sat in the only chair with a backrest and let the exhaustion sweep from her body. Agustina slept peacefully in her arms, the placenta and cord still attached but wrapped in Teresa's shawl. Through her drooping eyelids, Teresa saw that the path she had tracked from outside to the inside was stained with mud and blood. Teresa! Her husband, Jose, followed the tracks and thought his wife dead when he saw her covered in grass and leaves, her bare feet caked with dirt, and her usually braided hair hung loose and tangled around her shoulders and waist. The newborn's limbs shot straight out to the four corners of the room, startled by Jose's frantic voice. Teresa instinctively brought the child to her breast. He exhaled in relief. 
Teresa, ¿qué pasó? When I didn't see you at almuerzo, I began to worry, Jose said. His eyes were white, his pupils pinpoints. His field bag hung around his neck, and he still wore his work gloves. At noon, the field workers' wives and mothers had arrived at the edge of the field to deliver the midday meals. When Teresa failed to come, Jose surmised that her condition had slowed her down. But when all the men began to return to work after finishing their meals, he headed toward home, his walk turning into a run as thoughts of tragedy overtook him. Jose, perdóname, Teresa began to explain, lifting her head wearily. Jose went to his knees by her side. Hearing her voice eased his worries, and he exhaled. His hand stroked her cheek, and Teresa could smell the soil and the sweat of his labor. He smelled like the earth. Teresa, res querida, I will go get your sister. He peeked at the baby, and the corners of his mouth turned upward proudly. He rubbed his lips against the baby's forehead gently. Teresa felt a surge of love for her husband. Babies were the domain of women, and men rarely shared in the miracle of birth. He turned to leave, and to his back, Teresa said, Esposo, you have a daughter. Her name is Agustina. Teresa smiled widely, anxious and hopeful. Jose slowly turned back to his wife, his eyes nervous, his brow furrowed. Agustina. Jose said. Teresa looked down. She knew what he would say. He looked older than his years in this moment. His clothes were worn and showed the mending that Teresa had recently patched. His skin was dark and leathery from the torturous sun that beat down on him day after day. The cap he wore for as long as she had known him had been old even when it was new to him. There would never be a new cap. Teresa, what will people say? Jose said sweeping his arms to point out the humility of their home. We are not rich. We have nothing to feel ashamed. We work, but... Jose touched the tips of his fingers to his forehead. We cannot give this child the name of the Holy Bishop Agustin. Jose paced slowly in front of Teresa, his mind seeking a solution. Teresa knew the dilemma in her husband's heart. His worn shoes and calloused hands could never hide that he was a laborer. I know, Agustina is a name that belongs to a mayor's daughter or a shopkeeper's daughter, not the name of a field hand. But who are we to know the future? Teresa said as she watched her husband. He looked as though he was in physical pain. She knew him. He was humble and unashamed and accepting of where God had placed him in the societal scheme of Halpa. Jose stood trance-like, his arms crossed over the top of his head, his fingers tapping his ears staring at the edge of the dirt floor as it melded into the patio. Both were dusty and needed sweeping. The inside and outside spaces of their home blurred together. One step would take you from a covered dirt floor to an open-air patio. One blurred line. Teresa remained still, studying her sleeping daughter, her eyelashes long and burnt auburn. Jose, I will go find my sister. She will help me prepare the baby for the padre. Teresa kept her face turned and hoped to depart before Jose saw her eyes brimming with tears. Her love and respect for Jose would not allow her to speak against him. Teresa, Teresa! Jose kneeled before her again, with light in his eyes. He took one of her hands in his and placed the other hand on the baby's head. Teresa's head tilted up. She kept her gaze steady and her hand limp in his. 
Sí, José. Teresa, yesterday, ¿cuál es el santo? Ayer, the 27th of August. No han asignado. We can say the girl was born yesterday. ¿Cuál es el santo? José looked anxiously at his wife, hopeful. Teresa thought. A flash of her quick meeting with Rita surfaced in her mind. Rita, who was given the name and fate of Santa Ria de Casilla. She looked at her husband's pleading eyes. Santa Monica? La mamá de Augustín. She was made a saint after her son, Teresa thought. Their feast days were one day apart because of her devotion to her son. One day. The 27th to the 28th is just one day, but Santa Monica suffered so much with that terrible husband who beat her and cheated on her. She only had her son who loved her, a bishop, the revered Augustine. Jose watched Teresa intently. She thought, I could say I don't remember. Maybe he will change his mind. Mi Augustina. Monica, Teresa, that's our daughter, Monica. Jose's face spread into a generous, crooked smile, showing the deep creases around his eyes and an indentation in the side of his right cheek that his mother used to say was his pilito, a small dish where birds sip water. His smile made him handsome. Teresa was grateful for this kind man, but she could not imagine why God would choose suffering for such an innocent and beautiful baby. Jose kissed her on the head and then bent to gaze at his daughter, wrapped in Teresa's shawl. He touched the baby's right cheek lightly, where the slight impression of a dimple could be seen. Rest. I will go get your sister. When Teresa could no longer hear the tall grass giving way to Jose's footsteps, she stood up slowly and took the baby to the crate she had prepared for this day. She had lined it with old pillowcases stuffed with feathers to create a warm and soft place for her baby. She placed the crate with the baby on the kitchen table and began to prepare the pumice that would soften the cord so that it would fall off, a combination of water, salt, vinegar, and lard. She took the tin cup from its hook above the gas stove and went to scoop some water out of the pails when she remembered she had discarded them when her first contraction hit. Was that only this morning when we were alone in the dirt, in the grass beneath the trees? Fue un milagro. She is a miracle. Teresa lifted her baby from the crate and cradled her in her arms. Mija, people will call you Monica, and so be it. It shall be that way. But it was God's will that you were born in a golden field on the 28th of August, and your name would be Augustina. Teresa placed her hand on her daughter's heart. The world will call you Monica, but God named you Agustina. Nunca te olvidas. Never forget. Mi Agustina. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pen Dust Radio. For more information or to submit your writing to the podcast, please visit pendustradio.com. This podcast is a production of Rivercliff Books and Media. Learn more at rivercliffbooks.com. The story featured in this episode is a work of fiction. Names, characters, places, and incidents are the products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual events, locales, or persons, living or dead, is entirely coincidental. 